This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. You're at the airport, or maybe you're driving someplace that isn't that close. You have an owner presentation, or maybe it's a construction meeting. Either way, you won't be sleeping at home, and chances are pretty good that you will be eating something of questionable origin at some point in the very near future. Welcome to episode 109, Traveling for Work. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're going to talk about traveling for work, which should be an interesting topic because Andrew and I travel for work. We have a little different circumstances around our traveling. But depending on who you ask, people tend to have wildly different opinions on this topic. Is it awesome? Is it terrible? Do you look forward to it? Do you dread it? So we're going to cover the spectrum, I think. Is it all the above? It runs the gamut of emotions. So let's just jump right into it. And let's talk about what is the expectation? Because the expectation, maybe it marries up with the reality, maybe it doesn't. I think sometimes that depends on what your job travel looks like. But I will tell you. Without a shadow of any doubt, every youngish person, like, you know, 20 out of school within a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. The idea of traveling for work is so romantic. It's so amazing. It's like, what? It's awesome. In your first 10 years or so, it's probably like the most fantastic idea ever. Yes. And you know what? I was right there. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree. Did you do a lot of traveling for work? Right when you got out of school? No, not really. I did very little in the beginning. How long did it take? Probably until I bought my firm, so like six or seven years. That's <laughs> I mean, a little bit, maybe like five years or so. That's still but, not very long. Yeah, let's say five or six years before I started doing regular business travel. You know, I didn't do much traveling either in the early days. I did a little bit because we did retail work, mm-hmm. and the kind of retail work we did at least when I was involved, meant getting in a car and driving for like five hours. Oh, yeah. But I didn't really start the really, the perceived or reality, I'm not going to pull the curtain back yet, fun, exciting travel until really about mm, 10 to 15 years ago, to be honest with you. So in my early 40s, that's when my type of travel really started to turn. It changed uh, a lot for me. Yeah, I would say mine was probably maybe mid to late 30s. So I was a little bit sooner, but but not much. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Another kind of generic set the table. Because there's some parameters to this, right? So my perception of your travel is you got in your car and you drove someplace. Oh, well, yeah. There was a lot of that early. I'm just talking about more maybe idealized travel. Didn't start happening until I was in my late 30s. Yeah. But- other stuff happened earlier than that. And yeah, a lot of my traveling was getting in a car and driving, kind of like what you're talking about, because that's a part of my work travel. Well, I remember you and I having conversations a decade ago about you getting in the car and driving like seven hours to have one hour construction meeting and then drive back for seven hours. Yeah. That happened every once in a while. Mm. Yeah. Most of them were less than that. There was a few projects where it was that far. It didn't have anything to do with economics, actually. It wasn't about, oh, I was too cheap to fly. It was about, it might take me six and a half hours if I was going to fly it. Yes. Because I'd still have to like drive to an airport, wait for the flight, fly, and then get in a car and drive to wherever this location is. Like most of my work was somewhat, for that kind of travel, was not in urban, you know, or even semi-urban <laughs> settings. It was a lot of rural travel, right? So yeah, it, it was just, I could drive and make the same amount of time. And then it was also, driving was on my schedule, right? So it sort of happened to, to work out better, if you want to call it that. I don't know that I would say it's better for sitting in the car for like 16 hours a day, 12 hours a day, but. I mean, it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's so glamorous. I can tell you it's glamour. That's glamorous travel. All right. So look, before we move on, because we should talk about the types of travel, because again, we're still in kind of setting the table. Yeah. So the travel you're doing, you did a lot of schools. So you're, do- you're yeah. doing that type of work. I did mostly residential work. Yeah. And the vast majority, most residential architects work within a very immediate 
circle. Yeah, the region is pretty small. Most architects don't do work around the country. Or residential architects. Residential architects. So if we talk about the types of travel, because that's when I started and I categorize what I'm about to say into traveling for work. So there's project-based travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's convention or conference-based travel. Mm -hmm. And then I had life of an architect type travel, giving a presentation, giving a lecture, something like that sort of travel. Yeah. But yeah, there's like the lecture circuit travel or something like that along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. But well, in the early days, there was also like, and I'm going to try not to throw up on my mic when I say this, that kind of social media influencer stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. When I started the blog site, within that first year, I started traveling because people were like, we want you to come see what we're doing. And as a result of that, I've taken some pretty amazing trips. I took a trip to Spain like nine months in. Mm. And it was, hey, just come here and we're going to wine you and dine you and show you the most amazing architecture tour things. And then at the very end, for just a very small portion of this whole trip, we're going to take you through a showroom, like a conference. We went to Sevisama. Yeah, yeah. Which puts every architecture convention expo floor I've ever seen to drastic shame. And that was like, we did that for a couple of days. Mm. The trip was amazing. Yeah, it's sort of like timeshare travel. Yeah. Right, kind of like timeshare stuff where it's like, oh, we're going to do all this cool stuff, you get vacation here, and then there's a little bit of work. We're going to get you at the end. We're going to get you at the end yeah, for yeah, something. Yeah. But I will tell you, even <laughs> that was cool. And I will tell you, if all my work-related travel was like that trip, I would try to do that all the time. Uh-huh. I'd say, I love traveling for work because that trip was amazing. You got to see amazing things. They set up these tours for you. They were feeding you the most amazing food you've ever had. They're like, let's go to this bar, and then we're going to have great food. It was nonstop architecture party. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, I know. That sort of traveling for work, amazing. <laughs> I feel like you hit it at a time where that was like really the the thing to do, because I don't even know that they do that that much anymore, right? They're still out there a little bit. Yeah. It still happens. But it seems like that, to me, it kind of slowed down in some sense. Well, you know, I sit there and I go, here's some of the biggies. That I got, you know, I went to, I went to Spain. I've been to London. I went on a tri- this amazing trip to Israel. I went to Germany, and these were all like I forgot about Israel. Yeah, boy, that was cool. That one was cool. I forgot about that one. It was a bit of a death march. It was like do this, do this, do this. I mean, like they had every second scripted out, super structured. But it was so different from what my knowledge base was. I went in with no expectations. And it was, everything about it was cool and it was an amazing place. And I was like, this is incredible. Like those trips, Mm. stunning. Everything was amazing. Mm -hmm. But there's still parts of it that are different because your time's not your own. So if there's something you wanted to see that was not on their agenda, well, too bad. It's not going to happen. You're out of luck. Yeah. So if we just say that there's different types of travel, project-based, convention, conference, that kind of stuff, giving lectures, the experience of the travel is wildly different within those three categories, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I think so. So let's start off with the positive. We started talking about like, what's the expectation? What do you think the 27 to 30 year old who hasn't traveled for work, what's the expectation? (laughs) I mean, that it's a lot of fun. You get to see all the things that the city or the location has to offer. I think that's what, but it's almost like a mini vacation. Yeah. The work to vacation ratio is very much like 20% work, 80% vacation. And that's kind of what I thought too. Yeah, you think, I'm going to have a meeting, and then I'm going to go explore the city. I'm going to go check out the downtown yeah. core. I looked up these cool yeah. projects that are in there. I'm going to go check those out. I'm going to go to some great restaurant. I've picked out all this food and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're younger, you're like, and then I might hit up a bar, and I might find someone special, <laughs> you know, <laughs> someone exotic in this location. Yeah. Everything is, everything's positive. Everything's amazing. So much opportunity. I would say also in that regard. I think early on, you think it would be great to bring my partner with me, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my spouse, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is great. They should come with me. It'll be awesome. Well, I, mean, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> I think you learn that that's not really how it works. Yeah. I, I don't ever, I never, like that's always individual travel. So let's go back to the, let's keep it positive in the beginning. Let's talk about what's good about traveling for work. Yeah, I think the first and foremost is just getting out of the office. I think for a lot of people, that's pretty good. Just kind of changing the dynamic of your workaday routine 
it's kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Even again, on those days when I was doing this terrible driving, it was still nice to not have to be sitting at a desk. I mean, granted, I'm sitting in a car, but it's different sitting. No. <laughs> but it is a nice break from staring at a computer screen all day. So we say like, all right, so there's a little bit of a just change of scenery, which is nice. The other part is like, it's a new place. It, I'm amazed sometimes that I have certain circumstances in my life and it had to really do with the job that my wife had, where we got to travel at almost no cost to us for years. Mm. So we were able to go to all these amazing places and most people wouldn't have been able to afford that. We certainly couldn't afford it. But my wife had a job which she traveled every single week. She'd leave on a Sunday night, come back on a Thursday. And she had mm -hmm. a billion airfare miles, rental cars, hotel points. Yeah, just travel miles. She had yeah. status on everything. And she also, the company she worked for at the time, had a policy that was like, well, you don't have to go home. Your ticket to fly from where you live to where the project is, you have a budget of $1,100. So you have $1,100 to go do whatever you want to do because we've baked that into our fee. So if you want to fly home, great. Fly home. Submit your reimbursement to be compensated for that plane ticket. If you buy a ticket to London and it costs $800, well, you got $300 more to apply towards a hotel credit. There was a lot of that that went on when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And my wife traveled a lot. So we'd say, what do you want to do this weekend? Uh, it's a four-day weekend. Let's go to London. Let's go to Paris. We would do that. We'd just pick a place with one super cheap ticket. And then we would use her kind of fluff in her account, her travel expense, to go do all these amazing trips. The reality was when I started to travel, I wasn't going to amazing places, right? I wasn't working in London, <laughs> you know, or, mm -hmm. or Paris. Yeah. But all the same, going somewhere new and different, there's a little bit of excitement to go, you know what? I've never been to Memphis before. I'm going to go check out what their downtown scene is. They got good barbecue going on. It's going to be amazing. That's pretty cool. So what else do you think is positive about traveling for work? Nothing. You're tapped. <laughs> no, I mean, you've got, I don't know. You got the list. I could add to it if I thought, or if I knew what the list was. You make up your own list. Well, I mean, I do think that, I mean, for me, and it granted depends, and that changes a little bit now as time has progressed, but it was also a chance to somewhat unplug, even be out of the office, but unplug from the office in a way. Because you're kind of focused on where you're at and what you're doing, and you're not necessarily sitting around thinking about all the other projects that you have to do or that you're working on. It seeps in, but there's an ability to kind of even unplug from all of the stuff that's happening at the office and try to focus singularly on one thing, which I think sometimes is nice. Do you think there's like a little bit of a scoreboard aspect to traveling, I think? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think it depends. When you're younger, you're like, Hey, I have to go to New York. Oh, well, yeah. People are like, wow, lucky you get to go do that. That's cool. Yeah, that's true. Because everybody has the same idea that, oh, you're going to go to amazing bars and restaurants and get to go explore the city. And so you're like, yeah, see you later, suckers. Yeah, probably with your peers for sure. You're like, oh, they, they asked me to go on this trip with them to Chicago for the project. And so I'm going to get to go for three days this week. And yes. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of it. A little bit of that sort of scoreboarding idea and going, yeah, I get to go there. I get to be better than you. <laughs> I, I get probably, to be. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so that that's kind of a work part that's positive. I will tell you that because of the website and for instance, now I get invited to go do things like these bond events. You and I met with those folks and they're like, hey, we'd like you to come to our high-end custom residential conference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We pay for everything. You just show up and you meet with folks and you you know do whatever. And there's a lot of networking and there's a lot of drinking and there's a lot of eating. And during the day, you work. Yeah. They're like, we're going to start at nine o'clock and we're going to book every minute of your day until five o'clock. But then once five yeah. o'clock hits, go nuts. It's over. Yes. Yeah. And it's a different kind of work. It's work and it's it's not that it's easy, but it's a different kind of work even, right? It's like talking to people and doing things like that. So not that you're not talking to people normally, but it's still it's a different kind of thing, which like you say, can be good to just spend time, I think, for some of those things, talking about other stuff than like, what's the budget on this project and where's the specifications and what's the, you know, all that right. kind of stuff and 
Where's the stuff from the MEP engineer? It's different work, but it's still work. Yeah, well, it's kind of like this podcast, right? Like it's pretty easy to sit here and have a chat about these things because we have thoughts on them. Yeah. But imagine doing that for 12 hours a day. Yeah. It does kind of get exhausting. You can't go crazy. Yeah. It can wear on you. Well, and also there's the idea that you're meeting people and you want to you want to put your best foot forward. You want to present yourself. You want to re- mm-hmm. represent your company in a professional manner. So there's a certain amount of- yeah. Keep things in check. Do what you need to do. You're there to accomplish certain things. You can have a good time while you're at it, but you can't go crazy. There's a little bit of that, even though some people go yeah. crazy, for sure. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, do you think, let's say, for example, when you traveled when you were younger, and I'm assuming, you know, you were traveling with some senior member of the staff, were you always required to kind of be glued to their hip? If they were going to go to dinner with a client or if they were going to go do this and you were going with them as well, or was it like, well, once the meeting's over, here's free time. You got to be at this next meeting tomorrow, be at the airport tomorrow. Like, curious as to how, how that worked for you. Well, if I had to put a number to it, I'd say 90% of the time when I traveled for work, I was by myself. Oh, okay. I did not have somebody else in the office going with me. Even when you were younger? Even when I was younger. Oh, okay. But the 10% of the time when I did have someone there, yeah, it was 100%. Whatever happened, we did it together. Yeah, gotcha. We went to dinner together. We went out. If there was exploration that was going to take place, we did it together. There was not like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow morning. You, it's five o'clock. You can go do whatever you want. Let's meet in the lobby at eight o'clock in the morning. That's never happened to me. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that does happen though. I mean, I, from what I hear from some other folks, sometimes that does happen. But for me, it was not the case either. Uh, granted, when I travel with people from my office, I would be like, you can come to this. You don't have to. No. You know, I'm going to go here for dinner. If you want to go, that's fine. And they always came. And most of the time they would go because I would be paying for it. (laughs) Well, of course. The company would be paying for dinner. So they were like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Well, you know, and you probably like to think I'm a pretty fun guy to hang out with. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Right. No one's like, uh, pass. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're the worst. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with you. I got enough of that all day today. Exactly. All right. So- Let's talk a little bit about the reality. And, you know, there's an evolution to this because when I reflect back on my time for traveling as a young person, in a lot of ways, the idealized version that I had in my head was at its worst in the beginning, which you would think that it would be great in the beginning when I was young or single and like I had more energy and enthusiasm, that sort of stuff, like do something amazing regardless of whatever it took. And there was a little bit of that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Sure. But traveling for work now, the highs, the good parts are way better now at my age and position in the firm than they were 15 years ago. But the parts that are bad are also equally and proportionally worse when I travel. Yeah. You even mentioned on the last podcast, we went to Chicago for a convention and I'm up at six o'clock in the morning working. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh, my day's booked. I got to send out emails. I got to type all this stuff up. All these things are happening. That part of it's worse. Yeah. Because I have way more responsibility now than I had 15, 20 years ago. But I have more fun now. One, because I've got more money. (laughs) I mean, I can make things happen more readily and I'm not at the heels of somebody else's generosity to do things. There's some of that. But here's my reality the vast majority of traveling I do now when it's work-based, is I have to go to the airport, I got to go through that whole process, which I'm on record for saying I hate the act of getting from A to B. I don't mind being in A and I don't mind being in B, but the act of going from A to B, it's the worst. I hate it. The in-between. Yes, the pits. Yes. And I have so many, my phone is full of like evidence of these stories that I tell. For example, I was going to save this. Let's get into the funny stuff now. I had a project that I went to. I had to go to Wyoming to do it. So I had to fly from Dallas to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not a direct flight. So I went from Dallas to Denver, then Denver to Jackson Hole, and then reversed that on the way back. Mm -hmm. So that's four legs. That's four flights that I had. So from Dallas to Denver, I had a guy who kept trying to sleep on me. He was falling asleep, and then he would like slump over straight up like I'm laying in your lap. Mm-hmm. And I would try to like, you know, uh, adjust a little bit to kind of- Maneuver around. Not make it awkward yeah. that you're laying on me. I mean, I got to the point where I was like straight up just pushing this guy off me. 
never acknowledged this, <laughs> but he would move. Stiff arming him. Yeah, I would push him off. And then he'd like, oh, yeah. And then he'd fall back asleep and then he'd fall. So it was two and a half hours of this dude <laughs> sleeping yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah, Not great. Didn't love that. And then the leg from Denver to Jackson Hole, a guy sat down next to me and he was a mountain. I mean, he was, I'm 6'1", 210 pounds. I'm not little. Yeah. No one would look at me and go, whoa. The guy that sat down, he was middle seat. I'm aisle. He's middle seat. He sits down. He's probably like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, maybe 275. He's just big. Big. Yeah. And he sits down and he spreads his legs so that we have, from hip to knee, 100% connection. Like we are touching <laughs> little thighs with one another, which I don't love. I'm already like, I don't like this. But I go, you know what? I get it. He's huge. He's in a middle seat. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm going to let it roll. I get it. I'm sympathetic. I'm not a jerk. That guy starts to jiggle his leg like, I'm like, uh-uh. Oh, like bouncing up and down. Yeah. Yeah. He's bouncing his leg. So I'm vibrating in my seat because we're literally connected at the hip and he's jiggling. He's going to start a fire between you two. The friction. Yes. Generating heat. So after about five minutes, and I have to look up to this guy. We're sitting, my eyeballs are like at his shoulder. Yeah. I look over at him. The guy sleeping on me kind of put me in a mood. I look over and I'm like, hey, this is not happening. <laughs> I go, you either need to stop jiggling your leg or you need to pull those knees together. And he looked at me, didn't say a word. And I thought, this is when he punches me. <laughs> this is when I die. This is when I die. Tell my story. <laughs> He pulled his legs together, and that was the end of it. Uh, nice. Like, he just didn't say a word, didn't say sorry or acknowledgement yeah. or you're a jerk or whatever. He just pinched it up, and that was the end of that. So then, I'm batting a 1,000 so far. Mm -hmm. Two flights, two not great experiences. The flight back from Jackson Hall to Denver, I'm on a call. I wrapped up my meeting that morning, drove into the airport. So I'm in the airport for like three and a half hours because there was a leadership meeting at my office that I had to miss because I was out of town, but it, I could join it online and listen and participate. So I go find like the most remote corner in the airport. I have my iPad open. I've dialed into the call. I'm watching it. I got my headphones on. I'm sitting there for like three hours. As the flight gets closer to taking off, I move where I need to be, but I still have my headphones on. I'm still participating and listening to the meeting, and I'm just muting and unmuting if I need to talk. This guy comes and sits down like two chairs away from me, and he plops down in the seat so much that I go airborne a little bit. That's how hard he landed in the seat. And then two seconds later, I'm overcome with the smell of beer. Like, this guy poured beer all over him. That's how strong he smelled. Turns out he was just ripped. I mean, like, he was solidly plastered drunk. Mm. And so I'm on my call. He can clearly see it. The iPad's right in front. He leans over and he taps me on the shoulder. And so I have to, like, do the move where I take my headphones and I pull them off my ear. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, this wearing masks nonsense on the plane is anti-American. And I was like, oh, God. And I went, well, that's what the law is. What can you do? And I put my headphone back. <laughs> like maybe a minute goes by and he reaches back out and he taps me again. I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he goes, they do know that we're all breathing the same air. I mean, this is what you'd expect in some communist country, but not in America. I was like, oh, my God. So I, I go, dude, I'm not having this conversation. <laughs> I'm on a call. Can you leave me alone? Yeah. You're like, I'm in a meeting, man. Yeah. I literally, I'm pointing between like my face and the screen. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on a call here. You're like, hey, drunk guy, I'm working here. Yeah. I'm working here. Oh, it was terrible. So finally, and I had to fly on United, which I have no status. I have zero status. So I was probably like, if there were a hundred people getting on a plane, I was like number 94 getting on this flight. Mm, brutal. So I get on the flight and he's still not on. And he's like, oh, oh, he's sloppy. For the first time in my life, when I go to check in, I go, hey, you might want to check on blue checkered shirt guy because he is smashed. Not like I've had a couple and I yeah. can tell you're a little, 
I mean, like smashed. I've had a million and I can't even function. Yes. So, and when you're at the Jacksonville airport, you then walk outside and you walk like 200 yards outside down a tarmac and go up a sky bridge upstairs to get on your plane. That's how it works. The plane. Yeah. So I've made it like 200 yards. I'm looking. I don't see blue checkered shirt guy behind me. I'm like, oh my God, they actually stopped this guy from getting on. I'm like, that's amazing. So I get on. It's like 10 minutes. And then I see him board the plane. And I'm like, oh God. And there's an empty seat next to me. And I'm like, I'm telling you, if that dude sits by me, I'm going to lose my mind. Oh yeah, that's the worst. So he falls in the aisle and he's like clobbering people and he's like, well, well, sorry, makes it past me. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And then I see him back up and he's like, that's my seat. And I'm like, no. So he sits down next to me and he starts instantly. I mean, like we're finalizing the boarding and he's like waving his arms, trying to get the flight attendant to serve him a drink. A beer. Yes. He's like, can I get a drink? And they're like, no, you can't. Like we're boarding. And apparently they let the flight attendants know that he was smashing to keep an eye on him. He tries to steal booze out of the cart. This whole thing. He's trying to steal stuff. And the flight attendant comes and she's like, look, we're not going to serve you. Are you even okay to fly? Because we'll take you off this plane if you're not. And he goes, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. So they end up moving me because they realize nobody should have to sit next to that guy. So they move me to the row behind and they move him to the aisle. And of course, he instantly reclines his chair. So the flight goes on, and so he's sitting on the aisle seat, and that's when they're going by with the cart when he's trying to steal booze out of the cart is when they're going by. Mm. I mean, it was just, it was off the hook. It was crazy what this guy was doing. Pandemonium. Yeah. I actually took a picture at the end of it. He was in a fight with his girlfriend via text, and I'm standing there ready to get off the plane. His girlfriend was yelling at him about, hey, if you love me, you just wear your mask and you would make it here so we could be together. And he goes, airplane mode. That was his response. <laughs> I can, I'm oh not talking to you. Airplane mode. Wait, 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 wait. Did he actually type out airplane mode? Yes. <laughs> yes. I debated. I was going to write a blog post and I was going to show. I have pictures. I have. I know I you said the two, but it, it. Oh, I forgot that he, he typed, typed out airplane, airplane mode. mode. That's the worst. That's terrible. Yes. Oh. Now I'm in Denver and I have like a four hour layover. I'm like, what? I'm sitting in the airport. Layovers like that are. Really, they're terrible. They're terrible for work travel. They're good for other travel, I think. Oh, but, I hate I hate layovers in the airport. Oh, because I would just drink. I mean, during vacation travel, I'm just drinking. <laughs> oh, work travel, I don't do it. Yeah, this is work travel, so I didn't do it. So the last leg, at this point, I'm dialed into the fact that every leg of this flight over these two <laughs> days has been terrible. So I'm like- Yeah, what's coming? What's in store for the last leg of this flight? What's coming? So this woman, she sits in front of me. And she's got long hair. Her hair was like noticeably dirty. And she kept running her hands through her hair. And so it's flicking over the top of the chair. So her hair is like draping down in front of me. And I'm like having to watch it. And I'm like, oh, it's gross. And her hair's falling onto my legs and stuff. Yeah. It's like she's pulling like hair that's not attached out of her head. Mm. Her fingernails look like she dug in dirt. Like she had the dirtiest crack fiend fingernails. I had to look at it for the whole flight in this dirty hair and it's flicking all over the place. So her like pulling hair out of her head and dropping it over the back. I mean, how clueless can you be? She's not pulling it on her side of the seat. She's pulling it over the back of the airplane so that all the loose hair literally is falling onto me. That's gross. That is straight up gross. Four out of four flights. Are all flights that bad? No. No. <laughs> I know that was a really long story that people are like, you guys should just cut that whole bit. But I'm telling you, traveling for work, like the act of flying, there's always something about it. I had somebody on my last flight take their shoes off. And I don't mean like, oh, my feet get swollen. I mean like they're bare feet and they're like walking to the bathroom in their bare feet and stuff. I'm like, do you know how gross all that is? That's just gross. And it smelled like hound dogs, their feet unfettered by the protection of their shoes smell like wet dog. I don't want to smell that. Yeah. I don't understand some people on there, the way they act and behave on flights. Because to me, the flight is essentially, I mean, you're in a public space. Mm-hmm. I know that you're in your own seat and you feel like, but like you're in a public space and 
I find the lack of consideration for other people that happens. And it's just, I feel like it's just getting worse and worse in general, but just the lack of consideration for the people around you. It's like tantamount, right? It's like the worst, the worst. Yeah. Or just being aware. Just be aware. Ugh. All right. So that was a long story about flying. Not always great. It was. Yeah, I know. Hopefully there was at least some nice takeaways from that. <laughs> Dirty fingers. There were no nice takeaways. It was all complaining about the terrible flights. Okay. Let's talk about another reality. So I don't know how you are. Normally when I travel for a project, that trip is fairly project intensive. Mm-hmm. Meaning that project gets all of my attention while I'm there. It's not like I fly someplace, have a meeting, and I fly back. Normally, especially when it's like residential projects, and we do this, we tell people, since a lot of the residential work we do is hourly, we don't charge more than a certain number of hours in a day, regardless of how many hours we actually work in that day. Sure. Yeah. So I tell people, and this partly is because I don't want people to think an obstacle to hiring me to work on their project in another state is because I'm going to charge them for 24 hours a day of me not being in my house or being in regular circumstances. Sure, yeah. So I tell them, I go, look, I'm going to charge you for eight hours on this day. If we work 14 hours, let's do it. You might as well get in as much work as you possibly can because I'm not going to hit you for all this other stuff because it's just not part of our business model. Mm -hmm. So when I travel, it's like very, very, like it's all that project. But then I go back and you're like, I still have to do all the other project stuff too. Yeah. I don't work on one job. So like answering emails or taking phone calls or like marking up drawings or whatever that is, because I have staff back at the office that are like, okay, I need a response on this. Like, what do you want me to do? That stuff tends to happen after hours. And after you started at eight o'clock and it's now 10 o'clock at night and you're back in the hotel and you're like, okay, now I get to start all the other projects. So there's not a lot of running around good times happening in these places, at least not for me. Yeah, no, and I think it's the same. I think it goes back to that idea of as your responsibility grows, the reality of business travel starts to really change. So if you're, you know, you're the young person, you're tagging along, or you're just going, your responsibility level may be that you only have two projects you're working on. But the more and more you progress in your career, like you're saying, I've got 10 projects I'm working on or whatever it is. And so I'm here for this one, but I still can't let the other nine slide because they still need to be moving forward, even though I'm not there. Yeah. And I said you might be able to put some of that stuff out of mind. And for me, that was mostly driving because there wasn't much I could do when I was driving for 10 hours a day. I can't really do more work. I'd have to do it when I got back home or something, right? But right. I think that's tied to that reality of, at least for project-based travel, that the more responsibilities you have for projects, the less, I don't know, free time is probably the easiest way to say it. Less free time you have when you do business travel for projects. Yeah. Because what free time you have, then you have to allocate to the other projects that you're not like in the place of. Yeah, for sure. We have a pretty big project we're working on here. It's going to be built here in Dallas, but the client is in New York. Mm. And so one of the guys that works on this project, because I talk to him every day, when they have meetings with the ownership group in New York, a private jet gets sent down here to take them to New York. To pick them up, yeah. And so- the optics on this are like, everything's amazing. <laughs> you're not flying commercial. You're taking private luxury private jet, jet yeah. up to New York and you're going to work and they don't work crazy hours, but when they're there, it's a hundred percent what that is. That sure. There's no extra side hustle projects that they're working on. Yeah. But when it ends and it might end at six o'clock at night or whatever, they all go back to the hotel. They might meet in the hotel bar and have a drink or two and then go get dinner. Normally the dinners are pretty nice. Yeah. They're not eating street cart food when they take these trips. But there is no, one of the times he goes, so far I've seen the plane, the taxi, the hotel lobby, the conference room, and that's it. And then I'm back home. Reverse those out. Like there was no walking down the city. There was no checking out. There was no exploration. It was 100% work. But they had nice dinner and, you know, they had nice social hour, that sort of thing. But there was no architectural adventures. To that trip at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's just how it works for some of that. You don't have as much free time as you think. No. Not unless you're willing to go. One of the trips I took to London, we were booked until about 11 o'clock at night. And so everybody went to bed and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go walk around St. Paul's. I'm going to go check out some stuff. Until like one o'clock in the morning because otherwise 
I could be anywhere right now. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is it's specific to London, but it's not London centric. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think that sort of also to me, I mean, along those same lines, we talk about traveling for conventions and lecturing and those kind of things. You end up in the same sort of scenario like, all oh, right, awesome. I get to go to some city and you spend 80% of your time maybe in the belly of a convention center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You don't get a lot of time out. Again, some of that's changed maybe the, the older I get, but also I remember, you know, I've been to Canada a couple of times when I was doing, doing all the app talks and the tech talks. You know, and I went to Toronto and I went to Vancouver and like, I mean, Vancouver was a little more relaxed, but Toronto was like, I was in and out pretty quick. And so I didn't get to see much. Like I walked by the hockey museum in the middle of the night because I was done with something and you know, that's kind of how it works. But most of my time was spent inside a convention center. It's not always as glamorous, even when it's not project related, even some of the convention stuff is less entertaining or you have less free time. And now that we do the podcast stuff, I think it's even more like that. We have a lot of structured time where if we weren't there for the podcast and I was just there on my own, man, I can ditch out of a convention if I really feel the need and go do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't ditch out of all these appointments and going to talk to this person and do this and do that that we have set up for the podcast. So even that stuff has changed convention going that we do. You know, with all the complaining, I still like a lot of it. Oh, yeah. I agree. But I don't like all of it. There are trips all that I it. go on that I go, Ugh, like, I'm not looking forward to this. Yeah. I still remember one time I did a, I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but I went to a city. I was a design juror, just for an AIA design awards. And I got brought into a city to be a juror. Mm-hmm. And they sent someone to pick me up at the airport. And I'm not sure why they structured it the way they did. They flew me in at like 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And we didn't meet until Wednesday morning. They picked me up and they drove me to my hotel. And they said, all right, somebody will be here to pick you up tomorrow morning. Pick you up tomorrow. And so I had an entire day by myself Yeah. in this town. And I don't have a car. And I kind of anticipated that I would have a chaperone or somebody would say, hey, we'll entertain. I mean, it's what I would have done. Yeah. When I brought people in for things that I ran, I was like, I feel responsible for you. I'm going to entertain you. I'm going to take you places. I'm going to show you things. Mm -hmm. They're like, all right, see you tomorrow. (laughs) And so- I literally just walked up and down every street in the downtown corridor. That's funny. And just kind of like, oh, all right, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And it was very odd. So I had, and sometimes being someplace by yourself is not that fun. Yeah. It's like you're you're less adventurous when, it's, or I don't know, maybe you're more adventurous. But me walking around downtown, it was not hard. It was not unpleasant. There was nothing nasty about it. But it wasn't fun. There was no conspirator with me. Yeah. Which is one of the benefits that you and I, at least I hope you get it, when we go do conventions together, and we've talked about this on many occasions, having somebody with you to have conversations or talk about something or look at that makes all the difference in the world. So sometimes a lot of times when you're traveling, it's by yourself. It's not as awesome as if you were there. It could be. Yeah, as it could be. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Again, there's there's a joy of being someplace new. And there's some excitement there, but at the same time, like you say, oh, oh, well, going to this really nice dinner by myself, it's okay. I mean, it would be better if there was at least one person there to sort of share it with. And even if it was, like you say, some sort of chaperone person, depending on what was happening, Mm -hmm. that would make it more enjoyable. I'm not one who's against solo travel, but it depends how long it is and it depends kind of where you're going and where you're at. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. I will tell you, I think it it was earlier this year. I went down to Austin, three hours away, not bad at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To do a career fair. We have an Austin office. So everybody there from the office was from the Austin office, except for me, because it makes sense for me to be there. I mean, heck, I'm on the advisory council for the School of Architecture down there. So I should make an appearance. Yeah. While I was there, the end of day two, there's some big time weather coming in. I was like, hey, you guys, I think I might want to head to the airport just to get there before this bad weather hits. And they're like, okay. So I left a little early, made it out to the airport, actually got on the plane, got on the plane, sat on the plane for like an hour, finally backed up, made it 10 feet. And they went, ah, they just closed all the airports, everybody. And I'm like, oh, brutal. So I'm not even that far away. I'm three hours away from my home, but the weather was so bad. Nobody driving on the roads. There's ice everywhere. There's like there's bad storms. All the planes are grounded. I got trapped in Austin for two days 
And you're like, oh, poor you. Austin's amazing. <laughs> Not when everything's closed. <laughs> yeah. Not when it's frozen and yes. I'm alone and there's nowhere to do but sit in my hotel room that's now not my planned hotel room. So who knows what kind of hotel room it is. And I'm just stuck. Yeah. And there was no place to get food. So you're like, you Mm. better line your pockets with the hotel breakfast, like stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Shoving biscuits in my pockets. Yeah. And it was all like pre-made stuff. So it wasn't like they made it. It was like open this plastic bag and eat this weird space texture egg omelet thing. Yeah. Nowhere to go for lunch because nobody could get in to work. So all the restaurants are closed. So you're like, well, I'm not eating the rest of the day. And then dinner would come around. You're like, well, I'll eat in the lobby of the hotel. So I guess my options are buffalo wings, chicken fingers, or sliders. Those are my options to eat. Yeah, yeah. The worst part about it was I only brought down the clothes I wore down, (laughs) and I brought a change of clothes for day two because that's when I was flying back. Yeah. So I was like washing my underwear in the sink and like wandering around my hotel room in a towel. I was like trying to string it up on a hanger and hang it in front of the exhaust. The air air conditioner to dry it so I could have some (laughs) clean underwear. (laughs) I don't know what it is. That stuff seems to happen to me all the time. Yeah, I usually I usually end up with delays. Delays, delays, delays. When I fly, for some reason, it seems to always happen to me. And that's one of the reasons I don't fly in and out of where I live, College Station. I mean, there's an airport here and I can fly in and out. But, dude, the flights in and out of here are always messed up. And so I don't ever do it. I remember one time I had to do something. I can't remember where I was flying from. It was a few years ago. I got back to DFW and there was a big power outage. I don't remember when that was. Maybe it wasn't during the freeze, but it was some other time when there was like a bunch of rolling blackouts. The airport was out of power and half of Dallas was out of powder. And like my flights got canceled. So I had to call somebody to come pick me up. I think it was 11 p.m. or something. Driving around trying to find some food. Everybody was closed because all the power was out everywhere. And it was like, this is the worst thing ever. And so then, you know, I had to go back the next morning. Also one where my flight got changed. I flew into a completely different terminal. But my bags made it on the first flight. So my bags were in a completely different terminal than where I was. Mm. And so, and this wasn't where they're all connected. So I had to go to my car, get my car, drive over to the other terminal. I just illegally parked because it was late at night out just in the road, turned on my hazards, ran into the thing to get my bag that was sitting there and then come back out to the car before I could go home. And you're like, man, this is madness. There's always something. Yeah. And those kind of things don't make it great. You're like, oh, I just want the trip to be over and boom, now I've got this garbage. Yeah. Or I want to sleep in my own bed. And this is funny. Here's a positive story. So we're working on this project in San Antonio. We need to go down to have a meeting with the client. And so I said, look, we're going to work here today. We're going to drive down. We're going to get down late. Stay in this hotel. And then we will meet you at the project site first thing in the morning. And he goes, where are you staying? And I was like, we're staying at the Three Pelicans Hotel in the middle of nowhere. Some off-brand, never heard of it. And I chose it because it was where we needed to be. Yeah. It was close to where you were at. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's going to be, maybe this is why all these are terrible. Because <laughs> I choose terrible hotels. Because <laughs> I go, I'm not going to be in there. Like, I'm not there. Yeah. It's not a yeah. resort. Pick a cheap one. You're just going to sleep in it. You just hope that it's not disgusting, like dirty. Like, that's what you want. That's my standard of care. Just be clean. That's all I want. Yeah, I know. I know. So I tell him I'm staying and he goes, oh, good Lord, you're not staying there. He moved me to like literally the nicest hotel in the city. And it was like a resort. And he's like, oh, you get like the fun pass. And I'm like, the fun pass? Like, oh, there's a lazy river and there's water slides. I'm like, I'm not going to be here for that. You're like, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be in meetings with you. (laughs) Yes, there's no time. And when we checked in, it was late, and he's like, here's two coupons for complimentary cocktails at the bar. And I'm like, it's midnight right now. I'm checking out tomorrow morning at like 7 a.m. When am I drinking these cocktails? Yeah. So I, I told the client, I go, hey, got these free cocktails. They're good today. Go go take the missus. Go have a cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's sort of like, and it was an amazing hotel, but it costs like four times what we would have paid to stay at this cheap place. And you know what the truth is? I would have been fine at the cheap place. I know. I know. Because I don't ever want the client to go, well, I don't want you to come down here because you're expensive. Oh, true. I'm like, look, I will make this as cheap as possible because that's how much I want to be there. And I'll put up with all this other stuff because that's how important it is for me to not do all this stuff over Zoom call. Yeah, I understand that. But he's like, yeah, you're not staying in that place. That's funny, though, that he was like, you're not going to do that there. In that murder hotel. That is pretty funny. Yeah. (laughs) He was a good guy. 
you know, and there are times I was doing a project out in California. And here's the thing. For a long time, probably the first, I don't know, 70% of the trips I took out there, I stayed in the client's house. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sleeping in that bedroom. They're sleeping in that other bedroom. Which to me is a little weird. I don't know. I mean, for me, that's just weird. Dude, it made for some of the most amazing stories (laughs) ever. So one of these nights, I come back from this night of running around the town, which was fun. This was like, this goes into the good part of traveling. I mean, we worked hard from eight to five, but then man, five o'clock, it was like they said, it's cocktail hour. Yeah. All night. Happy hour. Let's get to it. So I come home to the home I was staying in. And I go into the bedroom, forgetting the name, but there are all these like clown pictures on the wall. But it was that comedian, and he used to, to put on clown makeup. It's famous. These pictures are worth a bunch of money. <laughs> like I looked them yeah. up, and I remember this guy. So I'm, I'm asleep, and the woman who was, at this point was probably 50 years my senior creeps into my bedroom and wakes me up. And she's like, Bob. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, follow me. And I'm like, okay, let's let's see what's going to happen here. We went down into the garage. She opened up a closet and it was full of like maybe a thousand hats from like the 1930s in these boxes. And we spent like an hour trying on hats in this woman's garage, like at two o'clock in the morning. And I ended up leaving the next morning with a bunch of these hats. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. There was always something fun. There's a lot of adventures that went on. And I actually have really fond memories of those types of trips. But that's when I didn't have a lot else going on. You know, I was single, so I could afford just, if you got to be gone for a couple of days, you're gone for a couple of days. I didn't have pets. I didn't have somebody waiting for me at home. Yeah, yeah. At that point. And I didn't have 10 jobs. So when I went down there, I could afford to just do what I was doing. And then when we were done doing that, I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but when I was younger, I thought, oh man, I'm going to go travel somewhere for convention or go somewhere for this, I should bring my spouse, bring my partner. And you realize that it's a lot of divided time, at least for me, it always worked out that way. And like You're either sitting around on your thumbs all day in the hotel room, but they go do a bunch of stuff that's new and fun. And you're like, oh, well, I was just sitting in convention centers all day. And they're like, oh, well, I went and did this, did that. This. It's a very unequal experience, which I think can often cause problems. And then also, you know, it happens at conventions get kind of swept up and you're going to go, oh, we're going to go here for drinks or we're going to go here for dinner. And you could meet me there, but by the time they meet you there, there's so much that has happened. They're just sort of out of place. It just doesn't ever really work that well, I think. I think it's really difficult yeah. to do that kind of travel with a spouse and stuff. It, it's hard to manage. I mean, now granted, if they're an architect and they're right there with you, then that's different. But like if it's a non-architect person, because if they're an architect, well, they're going to go to the convention with you. And you're going to spend more time together. If you're doing different things, I always found it sort of made things a little bit tenuous. And not that it was terrible and you'd fight about things, but it was always just, it didn't live up to the expectation of you thought it was that I'm going to New York and we're going to be there for four days. You should come with me. It'll be great. The company's already paying for my room and da, da, da. And it just, it never quite works out, I think, quite like you had hoped, at least in my experience. Well, I agree with that because I'm pretty sure whenever I think about conventions, all the plans get made and acted on immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Right? You're like- well, we should go eat. And then so you Let's do. Let's go do it. Yeah. You make the plans like right in that moment. And then we're going to go here. And then at the spur of the moment, you go, okay, let's go somewhere else. Yeah. So trying to like plan and coordinate and say, meet us here. It doesn't work out very often. I think it's hard. I think it's just this divided time. I always found it was like, you just got to say, okay, you can either come before or after. And we can enjoy the city together after my business stuff is done, which I mean, I think that works out. But at the same time, it always just seemed to be more problematic than it was the romantic idea of, oh, we're in a new city together. Yeah. It just didn't quite work that way. I've traveled like with, you know, at that time I traveled with my spouse for things, right? And I was always the kind of the one like sitting around the hotel room or I'd, I'm just going to go walk around the city, the downtown, because you're in like meetings and stuff all day. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like I've been on both ends of it and they're always a little bit weird. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about, I was about to say, well, I'd never had that, but that's not true. I went to China with my wife yeah. a couple years ago. So I got my evenings with her, but crack of dawn, she goes off to work and you're like, all right, I got like nine hours, nine hours to myself in China, in Shanghai. Yeah. And I would just go wander around just to see stuff. You know, I did like a dumpling tour. I mean, I occupied my time and it was all interesting. It definitely would have been more fun had there been someone with me to do that. Sure. But I go, she's working. So 
just try not to get yourself into trouble, really. <laughs> go explore the tallest building in the world. Yeah. You know, there's things that yeah. you can go do that are entertaining. But it's not like I'm out there entertaining and making myself laugh as I yeah. have fun throughout my day. Okay, so let me ask you this before we get into the, what's the rank for this episode. So how do you put it? How do you summarize it? Travel for work. Is it good? Is it bad? You'd like to say it's something other than a bit of both. But I have a feeling that's kind of where it lands. Yeah, I think it does. I will say, though, I think for me, honestly, I know I feel like I probably complain more this episode than normal. But for the most part, I enjoy travel for business. It may be a 70-30. I mean, it's not 51-49. I feel more positives about it than I do negatives most of the time. There are some trips that are like, oh, I just don't want to go. And it's like, I got to get it over. I got to do it. But for the most part, I always enjoy it for all the things that we talked about that were good. And also sometimes just the happenstance of things that you can get into or things that happen. There's always a possibility for that with every travel, any travel. And so sure, I think that that happens and that's part of it. So I would say most of the time, I'm saying it's a positive thing to travel for work. But I've also never been that person that travel constant consultant travel where it's like, you're always going. I think that would wear me down. But in the amount that we travel, I think it's always a, a positive experience. Yep. If I had to categorize it, which I should, that's kind of the point. I don't say that if I take a trip, it's not like, oh, 30% bad, 70% good. <laughs> My trips fall into this trip was 98% amazing or that trip was 13% amazing. Uh, yeah. It, either the whole thing was pretty good or the whole thing was pretty bad. <laughs> So on the aggregate of all the trips combined, I'm really torn. Really? I like it just slightly more than not doing it, to be yeah. honest with you. I'm not anti that, but it has everything to do with how it's set up. So my trips are either amazing or they're not. Like that trip I burned all that time on. When I flew up there, the travel part was terrible. And I had a lot of the reservation because I'd been working on this project for like a year mm. and I'd never met the client before. Oh, wow. Everything had been over a Zoom call. Yeah. And he's real stoic. He's not very emotional. You didn't get a lot out of him. We couldn't tell how he's feeling about things. And I'm like, how's this going to be? It's going to be me and him for two and a half days. <laughs> and I'm going to be with Mr. Ice. Staring at each other, just going. Yes. Mm. I go, God, this is going to be terrible. Turns out it was one of my favorite trips I've had in the last couple of years. He was amazing. He had the most incredible stories. He was hilarious. We had terrific conversations. I loved that trip. Travel part was garbage. Yeah. But the being there and interfacing and talking with this guy, we spent a lot of time talking about non-architecture things, just like life, business, mm -hmm. like how things work. It was amazing. I loved that trip. If my trips were like that, I would tolerate the icky flight nonsense that I dealt with because the rest of it was so good. Yeah. So I'd say- mm. There's reason to be optimistic if you're still young and you haven't started this phase of your career where you do a lot of traveling or do any traveling at all. For the most part, it's better than it's not. I think temperament has a lot to do with it. I bet half the things I complained about for some people wouldn't phase them at all. They might not care. Or you might just have a job that doesn't require you to write 300 emails before 7 o'clock in the morning every day. That just might be part of the difference. And so your, your experience would be different through that process. Yeah. So, okay. Let's end the show with some positivity. All right. <laughs> Wait, we're not, are we? Oh, are we? oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. So, we're moving on to the what's the rank for this episode. And I had a lot of fun with the last list we put out in episode 108, where we ranked the worst three vegetables. Yes. So, I'm going to go with another worst three list. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. So, today we're going to be ranking. Drum roll, please. The worst three months. The worst three months of the year. Yeah, the worst three months of the year. Okay. All right. And look, because this is our, I already kind of ran this at the flagpole with people in the office. Yeah. And everybody's all over the place on why they like a month. I was going to say, was there a consensus? It feels like this is just going to be 100% random. No, I asked a friend of mine and he goes, well, what about this month? And I go, that's a terrible month. And he goes, no, it's not. And he told me his reason why. And I go, well, I don't care about that. <laughs> you know, like that's, yeah, that matters to you. <laughs> not to me. Yeah. Oh. So everybody's got their reasons for yeah. why they would do it or not do it. So that's what we're going to get into. So since I asked the question, 
Yeah, sure. You got to give me. I get to go first. Yeah, number three, worst month. Number three, worst month. Luckily, you know, you told me this, so I've had a little bit of time to think about it. My third worst month of the year is actually March. Okay. All right. And I will tell you why. You need to tell me why. I know. It is totally related to where I live and the climate that I live in. And I know this is going to seem really petty, but I hate the month of March because it is at a temperature where my air conditioner doesn't come on enough as it should. <laughs> and everything is sort of humid. It's still. There's a stillness. Yeah, it's just that. And like it's everywhere. So you go outside and you're kind of sweating because the humidity is at this certain level, but it's not hot. Mm-hmm. And then you come in the house and it's not hot enough for the air. Probably in March, I turn my air down lower than I do any month of the year just so that it will run and keep the whole inside of my house from being humid. Yes. It's kind of a pain. And so it's March. I'm sitting under blankets, but the air conditioner is running because I'm just trying to dry out the <laughs> room. You know, it's like this backwards sort of thing. It doesn't rain a lot. Like the weather's typically not great in March. Mm-hmm. In Texas, for sure, it's that, that split between spring and winter. And so it's a month where, Today, it's 30 degrees, and tomorrow, it's 80 degrees. And then the next three days, it's 35 degrees. And it's one of the worst to me for the temperature fluctuations about Mother Nature, make up your bleeping mind about where we're at. And so that's why I picked March. Yeah. It's not really hot enough for air conditioning. It's not really cold enough for heat. Yeah. You're constantly changing it from like, I need to turn it on to air conditioning. Oh, no, I need to turn it back to heating. Back to heat. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's constant. That's why I don't like March. It drives me insane for that reason alone. I mean, I don't have anything against anything else that happens in that month, but it's always a frustrating month for me just because of the climate <laughs> and like me having to dress. Yeah. One day I'm in a sweater and the next day I'm like, you know, t-shirt and flip-flops. And it's like, we got to fix this. Well, I wonder how much of our list is going to be weather related because mm. I sit there and I think, I might have a month in here and people are like, wow, it's still snowing here in that month. Yeah. That, that sort yeah. of thing. I will pull the curtains back far enough to say March did not make my list. Oh, okay. But it right. was probably number four for yeah. all the reasons you just mentioned. It's the stillness. Yeah. Well, it's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's a bad month. Okay. So I went with, my number three is July actually. Hmm. And here's why. Okay. You know, if my daughter listens, she's going, like, wait a minute, my birthday's in July. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had to skip those months. I was like, I can't do it with my kids. Their you know birthdays what? are. But she's a grown person. She can understand. Yeah. That. And holidays was a consideration. And I like the 4th of July. Yeah, of course. It's a great yeah. holiday, but it's barely July. It's the 4th of July. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's really kind of late, like really late June. <laughs> the very, very end of June. <laughs> yeah. What I don't like about July is that it's just hot. It's not as hot as it's going to be, but it's hot. It's just not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Yeah. There's those months where you go, ooh, it's starting to get warm. There's this little excitement for spring and summer. Like, now we're starting to get... That's what June's for. June is like, I can go swimming now. I can go out on the lake and go water ski. Like, all the water stuff I can do in (laughs) June. So, all I'm left with in July is hot. That's it. (laughs) Gross. That's funny. And as I've gotten older, I don't like the hot as much as... The high used to not bother me. It didn't phase me at all. Yeah. Now I'm finding I don't, I just don't like it. Yeah. Because it seems relentless. I feel like I'm the opposite of a snowbird. I want to be a somebody that goes north to escape the heat as opposed to the people from the north that are coming down to escape the cold. So yeah, I get that. I'll tell you July was close to my list, but typically July is a month where I do a lot of vacationing and all that kind of stuff. So I, I couldn't choose it. But climate wise, I'm kind of there with you. Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about when we take for me, that's why I like June and May better than mm. July because yeah. July, you're straight up paying like peak prices when you're traveling. Oh, sure. You go a little bit earlier, maybe you're getting a little early season pricing and maybe the weather's still nice. You could like put on some up top because it might ooh, might have a little bit of, might get down to 70. You like a little chill <laughs> in here. Yeah. You're committed yeah. to the hot at this point in July. I guess. Yeah. But again, that's always when I went to Colorado yeah. to escape the yeah. hot. So and that's, that's why. And that's right? a July thing. Everybody in Texas leaves in July. Yeah. What's your number two? So my second one is February. Okay. February is just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short month. So that makes it worthless. And I don't know. I just, I don't really have a reason other than I just don't like February for some reason. It's not, it's not a good month for me. All right. I always feel like it's a weird month. Okay. Look, no, I can, I can do it. 
Look, and I'll be honest, when you first gave me this question, that was the, the first month that popped into my head for no other reason than it just, that's what it was. I just said February. I don't know. There's something about it. Again, I don't mind the weather here. Like I like February for the weather, but just, I don't know, the month itself, for some reason, it seems to be sort of in between stuff. Uh, I don't know. I can't explain it. But for some reason, February is not great for me. Yeah, I totally get that. My number two is not that different from my number three. Mm-hmm. August. You know <laughs> okay. what? Yeah. Here's why I don't like August. One, nothing really good happens in August. Yeah. And it's still stupid hot. In my mind, it's dog days. And you know what? School starts back up again. So when you're a kid, you're like, August sucks because it's the end of summer. Yep. Right? It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Did I mention that it's stupid hot? Down here, yeah. August of this year is more like how many hundred degree days in a row are we going to have in August? You're not getting football yet. It's ugh. there's yeah. There's no good sports going on. And all you baseball people, you can come at me. It's fine. Baseball's mediocre at best. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm that way because the Texas Rangers here are terrible and they historically <laughs> are a terrible baseball team. But for the most part. I got no sports to look forward to. There's no vacations. Yeah. August is not the vacation month. No. Because no. of school and all that kind of – and you're having to like, oh, let's go buy notebook paper. When I was a kid, I kind of thought it was exciting to a certain extent. I always like make putting my notebooks together and stuff. But I didn't like going to school. I wasn't looking forward to going to school. Getting new school clothes and getting new shoes. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't like buying clothes for school. Oh, funny. I did, but that's just me. Maybe your parents brought you somewhere other than Sears to get clothes. <laughs> August is terrible. <laughs> All I, right. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. All right. So so now I'm really interested. Now I'm really curious as to what your number one could be. You want to know what my number one is? What's your number one? My number one is August. No. <laughs> I thought you were giving me crap. No, for all yeah, the crap but- that we just talked about. August is the worst. It's hot. Everything starts up. It's transition. August is the it's the end of summer. It's the end of any sort of free time. August is the pits. This August for me was nothing but other than my mountain biking accident. So I didn't have a vacation, but most of the time, August is just headaches. August is nonstop preparation for what's about to happen. That's really how I can explain August is preparation for what's about to happen. And it's 150 degrees. <laughs> like, like yeah. that's what it is. At least where we yeah. live. That's all that it is. It's like as soon as August one rolls around, I agree with you. It's a continuation of July, but I mean, it's hot. But at that point, I'm like, all right, I've got to start preparing for school to start and this and that. And even when I wasn't teaching, it's still like, I got to get my kids started. And I like, there's all this stuff. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. All the grass is brown. Dead. Yeah. There's no holidays, really. I don't think. Like, I mean, August is just terrible, but especially down in our neck of the woods where it's hot and terrible. August is my number one for all the things that you just talked about. It's the worst. I cannot. Okay, so oh, you ready for my number one? Yeah, I'm curious. February. Oh. <laughs> you know what? And literally I wrote down, it's a total garbage month. February, <laughs> garbage month. Nice, nice. First off, Valentine's Day, that's a ridiculous holiday. That's a big- Yeah, I didn't want to get into it, but it's such a fabricated- I don't like it. Waste of a holiday. You know what? And it's not- Okay, so down here, it's not super cold. We'll still get some cold. We'll get some really cold in February. Yeah. But January is our coldest month. Sure. Right? So, <laughs> And sometimes March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But then February, sometimes there's 28 days. Sometimes there's 29. Figure it yeah, out. It's ridiculous. February. I don't like it. I don't I, like it. I agree. So that's funny. It's sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Again, there's no sports. There's the football letdown now. February is the month when you realize- you now have six months. That's funny. Of like recruiting talk or so. That's all you got to hang on to. Like there's nothing. Huh. I like basketball happens. For me, it's volleyball too that's happening during February. But yeah. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah. You got volleyball kids. I don't. I know. At some point, there won't be anything in February either. Yeah. February is to me not as bad as August, but still not a great month. I think it's funny that we shared two of our <laughs> months together. Well, I thought it was funny because I said February, total garbage month. And that's what you said too. You're like, it's a garbage month. It is. It's a total garbage month. Yeah. It's like, come on. What's the point of February? It's nothing. All right. Well, so there you go. Uh, that's a positive note to wrap up. The garbage <laughs> that is February. 
Yeah, if February is your favorite month, we got problems. Yeah. But it's funny, I think most of it was kind of weather related. And I wonder if everybody's answers that way or not. To me, that's that's what makes the most of the month, other than August is weather plus all the stuff. Like, I feel like it, it's got to be weather related. Well, you know, if you go Southern Hemisphere, they'll have different months, but they might be the well, same reasons that they don't like their months. Yeah, sure. All right. I think we reached a point where I'm going to wrap it up. So thanks for being with us today for episode 109, Traveling for Work. Special thanks to our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? Make sure to hit that follow-up subscribe button on your podcast player of choice so you can get alerted every time we publish an undeniably smooth new episode. While you're there, please take a few moments and leave us a five-star why does this plane smell like wet dog rating? To get, to, get, to get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this wondrous episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your own voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.